Before we get started, I have an important message. If you're on Medicare or about to be, you don't want to go it alone. And you don't want to just call the first guy who sends you a postcard. My husband did that, and he wound up with some bad advice that costs us a penalty each month that will never go away. So what can you do? Contact one of our member experts by going to certifiedmedicareagents.com and searching your state for an agent. You'll be able to look through our member agents and read about them. Then you can reach out to the agent or broker you select directly through the site. Now, one thing you should know is other sites who do this sell your information to 15 or more agents so you can get hundreds of unwanted phone calls. Not so with CertifiedMedicareAgents.com. You'll only be contacted by one agent, and if there is a problem, I may personally reach out to you, but generally you will only hear from the one agent you select. So head on over there right now before you forget and find a qualified and certified agent that can help you today. Now, let's start our program. Welcome back to the Rocky Retirement Show. I'm your host, and today is the last in our series of Living Overseas. If you've considered living overseas, you must listen to this series. If you didn't listen to the first three episodes, go back and listen to those first. It might make more sense if you listen to them in order. In last week's episode, we discussed how to decide where to retire. Many of us want a place not only where we can afford to live, but also where we have other like-minded people that we can be friends with. And we discussed a little bit why my guests chose their particular country, Ecuador. And we're gonna talk about that today as well, in addition to talking about bank safety. There have been many articles recently in October 2019 about Americans losing money in Mexican banks. Seems to have been a scam, but we'll talk about that and what you can do to protect yourself. Ed and Cynthia have three best-selling Amazon books. They have an entire course on how to retire overseas, and they are popular sources for articles. We'll also talk about where they decided to move and why. I can't wait to have them on the show again for this last in the series on moving overseas. Okay. Thank you so much for coming on the show and agreeing to talk about this very important subject. Welcome back. We're happy to be back. Thank you, Kathy, for having us. <laughs> and listener, I have to let you in on a little secret. These two are just wonderful. I don't know why this last four in the series has just been technically challenging, but thank you so much for coming on again. When we started last time, we sort of talked a little bit about the fact that you decided to move to Ecuador, Cuenca in particular. Yes. And this is a place that my husband and I looked at. I was more excited about it than he was just from everything that I read. So tell me what made you think about Cuenca and then we'll talk a little bit about bank safety no matter where you live. So, you know, when we talked last time, you talked about your wish list. Do you want to remind the listener and then help us help us 
figure out why you chose Cuenca over, for example, Italy. <laughs> what, what, what was your thought process? Well, first of all, who doesn't want to go to Italy? I mean, really. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but when you're, when you're talking about, you know, living somewhere, you have to consider uh, many factors. And uh, at the top of our list was cost of living. And then we uh, wanted a temperate climate. We wanted good health care. Um, what, what else was on that list, Dad? Well, we wanted to be in a city of some sort, but not even though we lived in major cities like Atlanta and Las Vegas. We just felt like that a big city, plus all the cultural and language issues, might just be overload. So we wanted a city of some size and not a village because we um, enjoy cultural activities and and just having choices and not the three restaurants in the little town or whatever. Right. You know, one of the things that I liked about Cuenca when I was looking into it, it was just so cute. <laughs> it's just well, it's, so pretty, you know, with those cobblestone streets and the colleges. How many, do they just have one college there or is there more than one? No, college? I think there are like, uh, there are seven universities within, and that's, that's a lot for such a small city, really. But seven? Did, did you seven. say seven? Yeah. Seven wow. universities. So it really is a college town. Yes, it is. Yeah, but the, the funny thing about what we're talking about is how did we choose Cuenca, Ecuador? We never heard of Cuenca, Ecuador. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, the, and the short answer is we, we feel like it, it really chose us when we discovered uh, so much about it once we found it. How yeah. did you find it? Well, again, it kind of found us. We... Because of the wish list that we talked about, we were, as we told you, focused on Latin America. I was really keen on Rio, I'm not Rio, um, Buenos Aires. Yeah, Buenos Aires is nice. Yeah, it's a fantastic city. We love it. We've been there and it's great, but it has seasons and we didn't want seasons. We're Goldilocks people, as Cynthia said. We talked about in the last episode, political volatility. This one's not as politically volatile as it is financially volatile. They seem to go on a roller coaster ride about every decade. Do they and have high inflation there? Oh, right now it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. It's going off the rails again. I, I just have to interject here. Years ago, I, I was able to go on a trip to Rio. Yeah, Rio de Janeiro, right? That's where the, the party is right before spring break, right? Yeah. yeah. And they literally, for the prices of things, they had a wipe off board. Like the prices changed every single day. They had very hyperinflation. This was, I don't know, I was in my 20s, so 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. And um, I couldn't believe that the prices changed. Like they couldn't put the prices down in ink. They had to change them every day. Have you seen that since you've been uh, living overseas? It's a very stable economy, and that's important, uh, particularly if you're a retiree, you're living on a fixed income. You need to know how much you have available to, to spend every month and what it's going to cost you to buy your groceries. And so that's, that's an important uh, factor to point out when you're looking for a place to retire abroad. You, you want a stable economy. Anyway, I was looking at Buenos Aires. And for the reasons I said, the, the volatility financially, the seasons too far from the states, rule that out. 
And then somehow Cuenca, Ecuador just popped up. I don't know how, but I do remember when it was Memorial Day weekend of 2009. Wow. And we, we were like, whoa, this place, I don't know how, how to say it. We thought it was Sawenza instead of Cuenca. Sawenza. And, <laughs> and we couldn't have pointed out where Ecuador was on a blank map of South America, especially if there was no line for the equator running through it. But it had, we had lived in Charleston. South Carolina, and it had the same sort of colonial architecture, cobblestone streets, as you were talking about. There's rivers running through it, and there's the Ashley and the Cuppa in, in Charleston. So there was just a lot of things that looked like it was checking off, and it wasn't that far from the States. So we were enamored with what we saw online to the point that from this Memorial Day weekend in May, we were in Cuenca in July doing an investigative trip to see if what we were seeing online was true, and also to look for any deal breakers, as we were talking about, that we hadn't discovered in our online research that may blow the whole thing up in spite of all the attributes. And what did you find? Well, we found out, to my surprise, that we, we loved it. Everything, everything was true, and uh, I was a bit more skeptical in the, in the beginning about this whole idea. And we, I went honestly looking for why we shouldn't do this thing called moving abroad. Because it's I was, scary. Yeah, yeah, it is. And uh, uprooting your life and, and doing something this radical. But we fell in love with it. Walking around the city, we thought, my gosh, we can't believe this is true. Everything, everything that we've read, we agree with. And um, so we left. 10 days later, knowing that we were going to move there. Wow. Yeah. That, really, and how, how long were you there for this reconnaissance trip? 10 days. 10 days. And it 10 exceeded days. all of our expectations. So it was not a hard decision after that. Wow. And so was there anything since you've moved? So you've moved, what, 10 years ago? Just about, yeah. yeah. And there was, it was a city, but not a huge city. Was there anything that surprised you after you moved? Because you were still, when you were doing the 10 days, that's, that's not like living somewhere. I know. And we, in our program, Kathy, we recommend that you, if you're thinking about doing this, that you go and stay a little bit longer than that to, <laughs> to get a feel for what it's like to get to be actually, you know, living there. This is not a vacation. It's a totally different kind of trip. Um, but but from the beginning, we came to understand uh, the manana culture, and that was yes, yeah, and that was something that was it's really hard to get your North American brain around that whole idea. Well, it's not just North America. I live in you know the slow country, <laughs> and just coming from San Diego to where I live now in in South Carolina, it's a big culture shock because. It is definitely like that. They don't rush. And yeah. uh, so. Something people have asked yeah. us a lot is like, so how many other places did you look at besides Cuenca? And the answer is zero. Oh, really? And yeah, yeah. They're like, what? <laughs> but here's the thing. We were under financial duress, as we've discussed. Time was not on our side. And our money was dwindling every month. We didn't do something because we were living off our savings, being unemployed in 2009. And you weren't so, yet social security age? 
Yeah, no, we weren't no. there yet. So we were going to have to continue living on Social Security for a year after no, we moved. No, savings. savings. Yeah, savings. yeah, yeah, excuse yeah. me. So um, when Cuenca checked his, the boxes like we've discussed, could there have been a better place, maybe 5% better or something? Maybe. But we didn't have the luxury, although we tell people if you can't decide and you've got the time and the money, go to all of them. Because another part of expat life that people don't think about is it can be transitory. Mm -hmm. Just because it takes all that gumption to go do it the first time, we have so many people that successfully did it and now we're in a different part of Ecuador or in a different part of Latin America or in Europe. Is They're that like, difficult to see your friends come and go? You kind of get used to it. Yeah, we've gotten used to it. And um, because they are real friends that we actually keep up with, we, uh, we consider them travel opportunities because, <laughs> because now we know people that live in Portugal. <laughs> wow, that's great. So you, you meet them where you live and then they move away and then you now have a new place to go visit. That's right. <laughs> That's perfect, yes. Who knew? Yeah, it, it reminds me of, um, I guess if you grew up in a transitory kind of life, like in the military or something, it would be normal. But a lot of us think that when we become older or retire, we're gonna have the same friends for years and years and years because everybody is sort of planted in one area, but that's not necessarily true as an expat. No, not at all. No, and I, and I think really thinking about the whole friendship uh, <clears throat> aspect of living abroad, certainly you want to create your community of friends wherever you go. But the truth is proximity doesn't necessarily have to describe a friendship. You can have friends with people, and I have a very dear friend, she lives all over the place and we stay in touch and so we don't physically have to be in the same place to be friends that's good did you stay in touch with your friends who lived in the states or did those kind of fizzle out a little bit we have we have continued to stay and the one friend that i just talked about yes still lives in the states um, a very dear friend but we do because of technology. It's so easy to, to be able to do that. But then we have our local friends that we can meet for lunch and, and do, do other things with besides just stay connected online. Yeah, and there are, um, the reality of life is that if you have close friends that are more than you can count on one hand, you are truly blessed because a lot of friendships, just they're friendships, but they're not like that deep friendship sort of thing. So yeah, we had some people drop off the radar when we moved from Los, from um, Charleston to Las Vegas and more when we moved out of the country, but it's not like we became enemies. It's just, we don't stay in as close a touch as when we were in the same neighborhood, sitting in the stands, watching our kids play sports when we were growing up in Atlanta, you and know? Like the song and the Bible says, everything has a season. Yes. Right? So the, didn't the Beatles make that a good song or was that, that not was the, the birds? Beatles? The that birds, sorry. <laughs> they both start with B. Yes, they do. B, so, so it works out good. But um, 
but yeah, I guess, I guess there is a season for everything. Did you ever, did you ever make friends with any of the locals or do you pretty much stick together with expats? Oh, we recommend that you definitely seek out friendships with locals because they can help you so much, uh, particularly in, in terms of uh, recommending medical, medical, the medical people in your life, attorneys, and even understanding the culture. So it's, a, and if you're not fluent in the language of the country that you move to, there are plenty of bilingual um, locals that you can befriend. And, and it, it is so helpful, uh, particularly in the beginning, to help you just kind of get your arms around the whole cultural difference. Which is an excellent segue into the second thing you want to talk about with this bank fraud situation. Oh, yeah. So let me just bring the, the listener up to speed. Um, we're talking in October 2019, and there have been several articles about one bank in particular in Mexico where an employee of the bank kind of became like a personal banker to people, and she would courier money back and forth apparently. And people were getting their statements, but all of a sudden they had no money. So do you, what do you think about, about that? You know, people losing their life savings when they move overseas. Is, is that more dangerous, more, more possibility of losing money in, in overseas arrangements? Well, the story reminded me so much of a kind of a lower level foreign version of the Bernie Madoff thing. And it was the same kind of situation. People trusted someone and it didn't work out, mm-hmm. you know? And it's just people, uh, in the foreign situation you're talking about, we've noticed that when you're packing your luggage and getting ready to move to a foreign country, some people seem to leave their common sense at home and <laughs> they just do things with their money when they've moved abroad that they would never, ever, ever do in their previous life. They would have so much more caution and due diligence. We've asked ourselves, why have people, why do they do these things? Yeah, we don't know anything about this. We don't know anything about this Mexico situation, oh. but we know similar circumstances of people be trusting or befriending being befriended by a local and ending up on the wrong end of the financial stick it seems that when you move abroad you really want it to work so much and you really want to be part of the community and feel like it's all fitting in and the pieces are fitting together when a local it's always a bilingual local unless you're fluent befriends you and wants to help you and they may know somebody that can get you a better deal or a better interest rate or a better whatever. We've just seen people just say, okay. And <laughs> well, that's funny. you know, it's so interesting because here in the States, let's say I wanted to make a five or $10,000 deposit to my bank. I just would never call my neighbor and say, hey, would you mind taking this to the bank for me? That just would never cross my mind to, right. to have, I, I just would never do that. And, and maybe what they thought was, this is common 
culture in other countries. But I also am wondering what you think about having the bulk of your assets in a foreign bank. Uh, if it were me, I would, I would keep a lot of my money still in the United States and bring money to the foreign bank on a need to do so basis. What do you think about that? I think that, um, that we agree with you, Kathy, on that. We maintain our banking relationship uh, in the States and we also have a local account. But we lived in Ecuador a number of years before we even uh, considered investing in uh, CDs there. And so uh, and we don't, we don't own property, so we haven't invested in property. We know a lot of people that have. We rent. And it's just something that you have to be cautious about when you're, when you're dealing with your money. So we don't know anyone that was involved with this Mexico situation, but we have friends that they were investing in a condominium coming out of the ground to qualify for the residency visa. And when it was time for that to happen, they couldn't get their deed because oh, no. of various shenanigans. So they ended up having to pull 25 grand out of their savings to invest in a CD, which was another way to qualify for the visa. They eventually did get the deed, but things like that can just happen. I mean, we were talking earlier about would you trust so-and-so? We know people that trusted the friend of a cab driver that they oh, were just no. in the taxi. I mean, come on. That's what I'm saying about people just leave their common sense at home sometimes. Not everyone does. We didn't. But um, it's just apparently an easy thing to do. And it's, it's mystifying, really. So basically, fraud can happen everywhere. I mean, I just listened to a podcast episode. I think it was actually a, a, a re-release of an episode. And I believe it was on a program called, not Bigger Pockets, but I'll, I'll post, I'll post a link to the, the name of the episode. I can, I can hear the voice clearly, but the, the name is not formulating in my brain right now. But basically what happened was this woman was buying a house in the United States and right before she, and it was her very first house that she'd ever purchased. And right before she was supposed to wire the money to the bank, she got an email from the, the people who put these deals together, the escrow company. Yes. And the email said, we're giving, you know, you've got the wrong number. We changed the number. You're going to wire it over here instead. Here's the new numbers. And she called her real estate agent and her real estate and said, this is really frustrating because I'm on my way and you guys changed everything. And the real estate agent just basically blew her off. Well, what happened was somebody had hacked into the escrow company's email had given her their bank account. And so she wired her life savings, about $55,000, to the wrong account. And I don't know if you know this, but wire transfers have almost no protection. So once the, account, once the wire leaves your account, you pretty much can kiss that money goodbye. And so this happened in the United States. It didn't happen in a foreign country. Okay. There are scams everywhere. We all well, have I yeah, I didn't know that about wire transfers. Um, we don't access our money that way, but we know people that do. 
that's a, that's one of the reasons why we maintain uh, a bank account in the states because we use ATMs to withdraw cash and and uh, we can transfer money uh, within the accounts that we have in the states. Um, so that's that's scary. That's just make sure that if you're doing a wire transfer, that you have all of the numbers correct and don't take an email change as a change. Get a verbal confirmation of what the banking information should be. Don't just take an email because this is what happened to this poor woman that her, that the other party's email was hacked and nobody wanted to take responsibility for all that money. And well, the takeaway from this Mexico situation is don't delude yourself that just because there's a thing in the building that says Banco so-and-so, that means it's a bank, that everything is going to be just the same as it is in, in the U.S. There are cultural differences, there are regulatory differences, there's all kind of differences. And you as a deer in the headlights, new person in a foreign country, can you're a little more of a target for someone that may want to take advantage of your situation. So just be extra diligent as and use, like I said, common sense. Don't leave it at home. And there's no FDIC insurance in foreign banks. No. Well, actually, our CDs are insured by the Ecuadorian government. But if the whole economy blows up, I mean, in the States, let's be honest, if the economy blew up, there is no FDIC. There's just four initials that make you feel good. But <laughs> That's would, right. Because there there's, be no very money little, there's very little money in this insurance. Like the, the amount of money that is in that pot does not cover everybody's investment. So it's basically how well do you believe in the U.S. dollar? Oh, and that's another thing. How is Ecuador based on a peso or what, what is your money? We actually, I'm, glad you, I'm so glad you brought that up. We actually use the U.S. dollar in Ecuador. And that's a little more security for people on a fixed income because you're not constantly converting uh, your money, if you have it in the U.S., to the local currency. And so you're not subject to the, the fluctuations. And it gives you a, a little more sense of um, the worth of what, you, what your assets are. And it's more stable. The dollar tends to be stable right now. Yes. Yeah, well, we've read articles of people saying, oh, the, uh, the U.S. dollar against the Colombian peso is really good. It's a really great time, blah, 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 blah. Well, that's true. But if you're on a fixed income, if you move there with your income based on the current valuation, and then that changes dramatically, which over time things change, then you can find yourself in a lot of financial hot water. So it's interesting living in Ecuador where they can't print money, they have to be a lot more diligent about the budgeting than in countries where it's a fiat currency. And if there's not enough, you just go print some more. Well, well I was, I actually, years ago when I was in my twenties, I won a trip. I had entered a drawing where I paid like $20 for five tickets. My, my friend worked for a nonprofit organization. And I, I won a trip to Rio de Janeiro. 
And while I was there, now this was 30 years ago, I don't know what the economy is like now, but the prices changed every single day. And I thought that was amazing. I've never seen that. I know we have inflation in the US, but I have never seen that before or since where they had to, you know, use a wipe a whiteboard or a wipe wipe off board to change the prices every day. I don't know if they they probably don't have that in Cuenca since they're on the US dollar there, right? Right. right. And I have to mention to you when we did go to Buenos Aires for fun. And when we were there, the dollar was so good against their their currency, and the biggest bill they had was a hundred, that I was walking around with a wad of hundreds like I was a a pimp or something. I don't know. I'm giving the the taxi driver a hundred because it was only worth about eight dollars of U.S. money. Oh my god! But gosh. that can change so dramatically. And if you think, well, this is great, I can move here. Look how far my money goes and then it goes the other direction, then you're in a world of hurt. Yes. So are these all things that you talk about in your course? Yeah, we do talk about all of this in uh, Retirement Reimagined. And we, we spent so much time putting so much detail into how to do this thing called move abroad uh, and be successful. Yeah, there's a ton of moving parts. Even, you know, you think, well, once I've decided on where I'm going to go, this is the easy part. No, that's when it really gets hard because you've <laughs> got to unravel your whole life and transplant yourself into a whole different situation. And it's so easy to make mistakes that you don't want to be trying to fix long distance. You know, it just could be so much more problematic. So we've done our best to cover every single thing that you need to think about to make sure that you have a successful experience. Well, that's fantastic. How can people get more information about your course? Well, they can go to our website. Uh, that's where the, we host the course. It's www.edandcynthiaeddandcynthia.com. Great, wonderful. Well, we're coming up to the end of our time together. Thank you for spending the last four weeks with me. I really appreciate it. Is there anything that you'd like to say to the listener before we say goodbye? Well, we want to thank you for having us. Ed, you want to say something to those listeners? Well, I would just say that if you're in retirement or approaching retirement and are concerned about your financial situation, be it that you know you don't have enough money or that you're afraid you're gonna outlive your money, that retiring abroad is an option that's well worth considering. And whatever fear factors you have about that idea, just do some due diligence, visit our website. It has a ton of information about retirement in general and retirement abroad and make a, make a good decision. Great, well, thanks again for coming on the show. And for the listener, we'll see you next time on Rock your retirement. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye.